If you missed it live, catch the broadcast on kaya959.co.za. But looking at the minimum wage, Maya, uh, as a basic income level for many South Africans, I can imagine that you have often encountered a lot of individuals who raise questions about this being enough. And I guess it's quite clear it's potentially not enough, especially looking at the figures of how South Africans continue to find themselves indebted and struggling with the heightened Mm. levels of inflation. Absolutely. No, it was quite interesting. I was having a look at the Peter Maritzburg um, Economic Justice and Dignity Unit. They do some amazing work on what does it cost to live. Um, and they have put forward um, recommendations around the, the minimum wage. And it was quite interesting having a look. So they looked at um, the three big expenses um, experienced by a worker, public transport, prepaid electricity, um, and the household food basket and how that has been impacted by inflation. But just to give you an example, for a family of four, if you assume that there's one worker, so that the transport cost would be about one and a half thousand rand for the worker going to work and back, um, the household 867 rand electricity, um, the household food basket for a household of four, about three and a half thousand rand. So you're really on about six thousand rand for that family before you know the increases of mm-hmm. the inflation increases that we that we'll see on that on that basket. So clearly the minimum wage isn't enough. Um, but I think one of the things that, and it was interesting hearing you, listening to your earlier speaker, uh, is, is really that, you know, if we debate, should the minimum wage be a thousand rand more or not, what we need to focus on is imagine if that household of four had two people working in it and bringing yeah. in income versus one. Yep. Then you're talking about doubling the income, not just whether whether the minimum wage should be 500 or 1,000 rand more. And I think it really talks back to this point of, of, of employment. We have a crisis in this country of unemployment. And that is, I think, hurting people more than the relative minimum wage. Mm. And I, I think this is something so relevant that you're mentioning in terms of improving the levels of employment because then at least everybody has an opportunity to unlock some sense of capital as an individual or mm. uh, through partnerships. And I, I'm keen to understand as well as you look at the figures regarding not only the minimum wage, but just the cost of living, Maya, uh, uh, and looking at many reports. Uh, how does this fare in terms of, um, I guess, where we were a few years ago uh, and the reality of how we've had to become potentially more frugal? As South African consumers? So the cost of living has gone up substantially. And I think more importantly, salaries haven't kept up. So we saw, we saw, I think it was BankServe's index, um, salary index coming out and actually showing that people have not had a real increase in salaries for three years. Mm. So I, th- I think it's very important to pause for a moment. So what that means is maybe your salary kept up with the CPI, right? <laughs> Which is a very different figure to our electricity bills and our food bills. Right. Um, but then add to that, if you, the interest rates over the last, you know, three years have gone absolutely skyrocketed and those aren't in those figures. So people really have, have substantially less disposable income after they've paid off their house and their car and all those things than they had three years ago. There is absolutely no way budgets could keep up with that. Um, and I think it, it's really important to understand the impact. So you've got this inflationary impact, which everyone's feeling, but then there's a, a section of society that has car and household finance. And we have seen the debt levels in that sector absolutely skyrocketing. And um, this actually came out from a debt index uh, that was released yesterday. It was um, debt counseling company, Debt yes. Busters actually were, mm-hmm. they tracked it. They tracked this debt index. The figures were were quite interesting for me because the the lower income earner, the five to to even fifteen thousand rand, 
um, income earner hasn't seen an increase in their debt levels, funnily enough. Um, I think for two reasons. Um, they they don't have sort of car and household finance, but also I think the banks have stopped lending to them. You know, they they really got into a lot of debt. They were sort of maxing it out um, sort of around 2020 and the banks sort of turned off the, the taps there. But now for people who have assets like cars and, and, and bonds um, and these massive interest rate increases, people going into debt review. So when, when people enter debt review, they're coming in. If you earn 35,000 rand or more a month, those they're seeing people coming in with debt levels of 70, where 71% of their salary is going to debt. 71%. Mm. I mean, that is a very scary figure. Mm. And I think it's a very intriguing picture, right? Because so often when we talk about consumer income groups struggling, uh, we tend to think, well, the more you earn, the less challenges you have because you've got more money. But more money means more resources, more access to other resources that you want to earn. And that typically does mean uh, some kind of debt or credit extension that you will require. Uh, And I'm intrigued because, as you mentioned, typically someone who's earning a minimum uh, wage uh, of, what, four, four and a half thousand rand a month, essentially, this is the group of people that when the governor, Lisa Chakhanyaho of the South African Reserve Bank, comments that some people actually can't access credit uh, because they don't have enough mm. assets or income. Is this the income segment that, that we're referring to here, given that they're not highly or typically highly indebted, but uh, actively use cash in innovative ways, uh, not only to save, but also to get by? Look, they are indebted. They're just not quite as indebted as, uh, you know, so I think somebody uh, in the five to 10,000 rand income bracket, they are sitting with spending 58% of their salaries. When they ca- those people enter debt review, I'm talking specifically those people who've reached that point, um, they're sitting at 58% of their salary. So it's going to, to debt. So absolutely they're indebted. And I think the other thing that we're not seeing um, and, and, and something that isn't captured in national data is, of course, the sort of uh, Mashunisa loans. Um, mm. Those loans that are not part of the, the normal credit sector. And I imagine you'll find those much higher um, in, in the lower income earners. And I think they are, are really struggling a lot with this sort of unregulated lending market because banks literally will not lend to people who earn less than 5,000 rand a month. It's a policy for many banks. So it's the smaller micro lenders, it's the informal market that, that is lending to them and, and at exorbitantly high interest rates. 100%. Maya, you often hear the stories of uh, many South Africans who either come from entrepreneurial backgrounds, uh, those who are full to employed full-time, uh, and come from various family constructs, right? And you hear their challenges and their troubles uh, in terms of managing their finances adequately. And some of them have the most amazing turnaround stories that they implement to become more financially fit, financially aware, uh, and really continue on their path and journey to, to growing wealth. I'm, I'm keen for you to share some insights in terms of the lessons uh, uh, the disciplines that these particular individuals have that maybe we as South Africans can learn from uh, and start implementing in our lives. I know this is not advice, but just your observations and lessons from what you've seen. <laughs> Very important caveat that. <laughs> absolutely. And, I, and I'm so glad you actually asked the question because we I run something called Money Makeover Challenge with City Press every year. We've done it for seven years. And literally we turn people's lives around in six months. And it is such basic intervention and the basic intervention is 
We get people to track their spending. Um, we get them to write down where their money is going. Then we identify where can they make, you know, tweaks and changes. And people always come in, no, there's nothing. There's nothing I can do. Um, and yet we always find it. And what is amazing is that when people start to track their spending and actually see where their money is going, they start to take accountability and, and responsibility for the money. And one of the big trends that I see is people don't, look at their cash flow for the month. So, you know, we always hear that people run out of money halfway through the month. That's like the regular thing. Mm. We actually had a very good example of one of the candidates we had um, two years ago, actually. She was one of those. Halfway through the month, she she ran out of money. And um, once she we got her to track her spend, she realized what she was doing is she had that payday euphoria that we all do, that wealth effect. And she would go and spoil her daughter and buy, buy her a little dress and they'd go out and have a little family dinner and, you know, all the rest, not thinking about the groceries that had to come up and all the rest of it. Um, and then halfway through the month, she's buying groceries and nappies on the credit card. Just by tracking her spending for a full month and understanding exactly what she needs to live, what do the nappies cost? What am I spending on groceries? Yep. And then at the beginning of the month saying, right, I know I spend this amount of nappies, so let me buy all the nappies that I need for the month on payday. Then let me buy my electricity for the month on payday. On payday, I will pay all my bills. I will buy all my non-perishables on payday. So now I know that the bulk of my stuff has been done and I know each week how much I'll need to keep for transport and maybe some fresh fruit and vegetables. Within one month, I kid you not, within one month, she was running a surplus. Surplus. So that's what it takes. (laughs) And this just sounds like going back to the basics of budgeting, Maya, knowing what's coming in, what's going out, when it's coming, when it's going, uh, and how much you're portioning to it. Exactly. And, you know, people hate it when you tell them that they're like, oh, no, just give me a silver, just just wave your wand and make it better. I don't want to budget. You know what? That's if you want to know how to do it, it's called budgeting. And, yeah. and it's that simple. And either you, you do it or you don't do it. Um, you know, I can't I can't change you. But um, I do think that what I see and, and what concerns me terribly. And I just want to give one more anecdote. One year we had a guy whose wife had had lost her job during COVID. And to make ends meet, they took on one of these really expensive loans and eventually were in a point, one of these awful revolving credits that they kept, that they maxed out. Um, and they just couldn't meet those repayments every month. Um, and when they came onto the Money Makeover program, do you know what he said to me? He said, if I'd done a budget, I wouldn't have needed the loan. Oh. They could actually have survived on his salary, but they never did the budget. And I think that's the kind of stuff I see every day. It is just so easy to take the credit rather than do the budget. Yep, that's true. Oof, it really speaks to discipline here. But Maya, we've uh, actively asked uh, many of our listeners to share their thoughts on this one and uh, essentially asked them the question if, uh, you know, if they would survive on the minimum wage and if they are South Africans who essentially would budget accordingly. Let's take a listen to this quick voice note before we wrap up with uh, some concluding thoughts. Hey, Gugu. So for someone ending... Earning under 5,000 based on my experience, I'd say they should just focus on necessities and um, they shouldn't focus on lifestyle at all. There's zero lifestyle there. Um, I mean, in this economy with 5,000, you can't get anything. So I'll just say, live, just live like you have nothing and just get basics. You know, get basics done, and it will help help you save a lot of money, depending on uh, your situation. If um, 
you have to look after people or the whole amount comes to you but um you need to live below your means and make sure that you focus on the basics it will help you save a lot of money Fantastic. Maya, I guess uh, some valid points that are shared there by uh, one of our listeners. But when you say stick to the basics, it sounds uncomfortable. It sounds painful, like I'm not getting an opportunity to fully live my life. And I guess that's the frustration that we have as South Africans and anyone who works really, that you wake up every day, you put in the necessary effort, and yet you're not earning as much as you'd like in order to explore the options that money can give you, really. Uh, uh, and maybe you've got some takeouts on perhaps how we need to shift our views then on on money, its potential, and Uh, removing our emotions sometimes from the facts okay so i'm going to obviously when you're earning five thousand a month it is literally survival right so we can't comment on that but i can comment on so so when when it's painful i can't have what i want to have when i ask people to take all those debt repayments they're making every month and see what that amount of money is that's free money right if you pay off your debt you can have some really nice things. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's where the money is sitting. It's actually sitting in the debt repayments. And we forget that. So when we make a decision and a choice to have something today because we don't want to, uh, and we put it on credit because we don't want to save for it, we effectively will make sure that our future self cannot have the nice things. So for me, it's not about saying, I'm going to be doing this forever. As I said, you know, it's a six, a six month intervention can often be enough. To, to actually reset your finances and pay off the bulk of your debt. So I think it's more about reshifting it and saying, you know what, that debt, that 10000 or whatever a month that I'm paying, let me hit that. Because once that's paid off, then it's a complete game changer. Rather than, than living in a deprivation mode of, oh, I work so hard and I don't have any money, mm. um, start saying that's my target. Let me change that from, from, from debt to actually luxuries. 100%. Maya, always a pleasure speaking to you. We can go on and on with the conversation of this uh, nature. And I, I think we should, actually. So maybe we'll do this more often to make sure that we all get a clearer understanding of how best we just need to make sure that we uh, have money work for us. But of course, knowing that it's uh, not equal for everyone, uh, for many South Africans, it really is just a matter of survival. And hopefully with increased employment opportunities, a better business performance uh, in terms of profits for, for institutions, then we can see better outcomes in terms of earning potential. Always a pleasure speaking to you, Maya. If you missed it live, catch the broadcast on kaya959.co.za.